JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Go ask Brian Kelly. Go ask all the other guys in that locker room. I mean, go ask them. I mean, we've extended a bunch. Okay? And we've done them all at different time levels. Quentin Nelson went all the way into his fifth season. We're about to start the season. I mean, everybody's a little bit different. Every situation's a little bit different. I mean, to sit here and say and try to make a statement that we don't take care of our players, don't agree with that one. That's uh, Chris Ballard from yesterday, something you heard right here during this show and stuff we'll discuss over the course of this afternoon. Welcome into the show. I'm JMV. Thank you so much for joining us. James is here, and we've got a loaded show for you, of which I'll explain coming up in just a minute. Um, Shane Steichen with the media a little bit earlier today, uh, talking about the situation at running back. And his hope is that Zach Moss is available by week one. We kind of wondered with the way they were handling that position, you know, outside of the soap opera that is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, a little bit concerned about they were, how they were handling it. And apparently they believe Zach Moss is going to be back and ready to go. That's their belief. The hope, I guess. The whole belief is that that happens. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yesterday, you look back on the entirety of that press conference and what was said and what we have talked about you know, up until this point. And it was almost like a couple of different opinions that I had on it. It seems like everything is just kind of split down the middle and how everybody feels about it right now. You probably have a long-lasting feeling of discontent because of the last six years and the nothing, the big donut and nothing that's gone on other than one playoff win with your favorite team. 
So you're probably sick of it and ready to move on, and you know you're not going to move on, so maybe you've detached yourself from it. Then on the other side, I think Jonathan Taylor's situation's kind of worn out. You know, even the biggest Jonathan Taylor fan, even if you had purchased one of those run-the-damn-ball hats a couple of years ago, uh, maybe you've sent that thing on down the line right now. You know what that comes from? And believe me, I know it to be true here because I deal with it every day. That comes from a topic that you're simply exhausted in talking about. Now, I'm not talking to you in terms of exhaustion, like if you're working outside and it's tough labor, tough work. I think most of you have probably done that. I remember the days when I used to do it as well. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about something where you seem as if you've heard every single conceivable angle and you're kind of done with it. That's like topic exhaustion right there. Now, it's funny. We have to stay on point here because if we don't, there are also equally folks out there that want to hear nothing else but that. And I know you may seem that if if you're exhausted of it, that may seem weird to you, but that's true. There are some out there that want to hear nothing more than that. But clearly the the sides have been divvied up here, have been divided because of all this. And there is no ending in sight. You know, people ask me, so what do you think overall about what Chris Ballard had to say or about the press conference in general? And, you know, I, I've been and listened to and had him on this show. And I had him on the show, if you remember back at the Combine, it, it all sounds the same. It just all sounds the same. And certainly what you're going to do is you're going to come out and you're going to be certainly sympathetic to the fan base because you know as well, you're savvy enough to know how tired they are of it and how vilified that you have been, whether it's, you know, the organization's fault or the owner's fault, you know, how vilified in all this process that you have been. You know, when Jim Mersey said back in the third quarter of that game, against the Bears nearly a couple of weeks ago. You know, Chris is here to to clean things up. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know if those were his exact words, but something to that degree. When he said that, that's a lot of what you heard yesterday. Like, you kind of wonder where we would be. You ever think about this? Where would we be if, if Jim Irsay hadn't, told Pat McAfee that Jonathan Taylor was all healed. All healed up. You know, that's the major reason why you sit around and wonder why there's still an ankle situation. Why there is still some pain. And you question whether or not there is still some pain. You know, I always take this really uncomfortable position of, yeah, I don't really buy it. <laughs> I just don't buy it. And it is uncomfortable. Because you like to take these guys on their word, but it, it just sounds more like a ploy than it does legitimacy, you know, in terms of, of actual keeping me from doing what I'm doing type of pain. So you kind of wonder what what would happen, where we would be if that wasn't said to Pat McAfee, you know, if there wasn't, you know, that first tweet that kind of started it all. 
where we would be without that. Listen, I there's going to be have to so much has to be proven to me, and I've told you this. This is a Ballard reboot. There's no getting around it. He's going to have at least three years to get this thing done again, and hopefully right again. And I do have to believe things or see this stuff happen actually for the positive before I believe it. But you might as well get used to it. And certainly you're used to stuff that was said yesterday. And you could tell that there was a lot of trying to clean up, clean up what the the owner had said. And, you know, in part, reasons why this fan base is so incredibly divided. It's funny. We get so off topic with this. I, I go home last night. And it's cool. I don't mind if everybody asks me questions, but, you know, we're off topic. Like, you know, what do you think that they would do next year if they're the worst team in the NFL? Would they draft Caleb Williams? Well, no, unless there's an absolute disaster with Anthony Richardson. I'm telling you, you don't want any more of this messing around. You want to hope. Your hope is that they have absolutely tagged their quarterback, their long-term quarterback for the future accurately. You want to be thinking, well, you know, Caleb Williams is going to be the next superstar. Well, that's what you hope that the guy you draft is going to be. So people start discussing that. Well, what would they do if they have number one? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't know what they would do if they would have number one. I just know this. I know that if they had thoughts on after one year, bailing and rebooting at that position, it would have to be such a disaster that, again, I don't think you want to think about it. I don't think you want to comprehend what it would take for something like that to occur. And I don't care how bad this roster might be. It can't possibly be that bad. To show nothing to the point, it just, it just seems like bad news. And these are the situations. These are the topics of conversation we get into. Because you guys get, again, exhausted of talking about what actually is going on. You get exhausted of talking about what Chris Ballard has said. You get exhausted and telling me, well, you know, six years and nothing was accomplished. Why is there a seventh and an eighth and a ninth? Because that's the confidence the owner has given. You get tired of telling me that the uh, the owner meddles too much and needs to be quiet. You know, again, this this is where it is in large part because of that. Man, make no mistake. I mean, this is where it is right now in large part because of that. And if, if that's his stance and if that's who you want to blame and that's who we're blaming, that's okay. I mean, you can look at it from two different sides. I mean, it's not like that the whole – Taylor side has covered itself in glory in any of this. You know, we're just kind of looking at it from a standpoint of this is what is necessary and this is what is sitting here. How in the world can, you know, if, if you like him as much as what you said in that presser yesterday, you know, why has this occurred? What is the deeply rooted reason? He's not the reason why among the 100-plus reasons why this team a year ago won only four games. How many of those reasons do you think you could 
reasonably place blame on Jonathan Taylor. Of all the reasons, give me 100-plus reasons why this thing was an absolute circus disaster of a year ago with decision after decision just rapid fire blowing up in everybody's face. Now, where is Jonathan Taylor in that? So I'm just telling you to look at it from Taylor's side here. So why, you know, you've extended everybody. It's not like you've had a great deal of success, you know, when you're going into extending, you know, non-essential players, certainly non-essential players, much like the running back position has been described, has been deemed, you know, why all of a sudden now? You know, why is it now? Because we won four games. We won four games last year. And Jonathan Taylor, even in injured, Jonathan Taylor is not in the top 100 of the reasons why you won only four games. In fact, you can make a significant argument in the games that you won, and then also you go back to the year before last. You know, the last time you guys had any hope, I think – you can look at what Jonathan Taylor did. There's a reason why you guys have all these run the damn ball hats sitting in the top of the closet or somewhere in the basement. Because you guys bought into it. You bought into it. Why? Because it was successful. There had been a great deal of success around here in the past 10 years. So you're going to grasp at something and running the football as old school as the thought may be. They, seriously, I was kicking and screaming. I was just hoping for anything that worked. But, you know, I would rather see them be able to throw it through the air, give give everybody an air show, score quickly, move it down the field, be fun to watch. But everybody bought into it because it was successful. And up until those final two games of the season, year before last, most of that success came attached to 28. So now all of a sudden, I mean, that's the way that it sounded. Yes, you can say what you want about it. That's not what he meant. Okay, that's not what he meant then. Then he probably should have phrased it better. I find myself in that category all the time. Man, I wish I would have phrased that better. That would have sounded better a different way. Then you probably should have phrased it better. Because there is no doubt if you're looking for success, let's just say, for example, in terms of your offense, a healthy Jonathan Taylor is where here? He's at the top of the list. Top of the list of, okay, this guy's going to go out and give you what's necessary. You know, positional belief or not, that's what he's going to do. And that's where we are right now. Where you are right now with Ballard, and again, that was that was a lot of, of sweeping and cleaning up a mess that the owner started and at some point man I mean I am so good with the music aspect of it you know when he comes on the show I'm good with it but you know you look at last year you look at this year and it's not so much you know he didn't say anything wrong in the booth with Greg and Rick it's just the whole social media aspect you just you just gotta remain calm and you certainly don't want to lead a team and an organization down this particular path. And it all started right there. It really did. You know, and as the end result, too, I mean, maybe it comes down to this. You know, we've talked about in terms of, well, maybe Ballard is the one 
Ballard is the one that doesn't really want it. Maybe Ballard has got a new philosophy. You know, is going with the new. Maybe he understands that running backs are not as important as he thought when he traded up three years ago to get Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Uh, we've also asked about Shane Steichen. You know, Shane Steichen, last year the OC of Philadelphia. Look what they did with Miles Sanders. They just basically let him go, poof, and he was gone. He was a 1,200-yard rusher for a Super Bowl runner-up this past year, an NFC champion, and they just let him go so stinking easily. You know, we've asked, maybe it's Shane Steichen that does not believe that the running back is necessary in his system. His system that he he believes will end up working. And then ultimately, we've asked those two things. What if it just comes down to the owner? I mean, the owner has been the one that has drawn the line in the sand and started it and continued it. And that's kind of where we are right now. Maybe it comes down to that. And in the process has stated, hey, you know, not only are we not going to trade him before the end of the season, you know, even though they did put him out there, they did let his people look for deals. But with that price tag, there's nothing going to happen. Nothing going to happen at all. I had a fantastic vehicle, a Chevy S10 Durango package, 1983. It had a sweet Pioneer stereo in it, too. Factory speakers. But a sweet Pioneer stereo, it was rear-wheel drive, so it was tough to navigate. In the wintertime, I'm sliding everywhere. I could fishtail down a gravel road like nobody's business. Full-on hillbilly I could go. But in all likelihood, if somebody wanted that, that's great. But if I were going to put a $25,000 price tag on it, it probably wouldn't be sold. Thus, I'm sure... Some teams wanted Jonathan Taylor. I'm sure the Dolphins did. They probably look at that as a a massive, unfortunate situation because they feel that they're on the verge. And that's what you need. You need a team that has that feeling if you truly want to trade him. Dolphins had that feeling. What did the uh, Colts get? And this is a long time ago. What did they get in return for Marshall Falk? And this was Bill Polian era, right? Well, they get a second rounder, fourth rounder, second rounder, fifth rounder, something like that. Turned into Mike Peterson, linebacker, and I think Brad Schioli along that defensive line. And that was for Marshall Falk. Yes. So they traded him for a second and fifth round draft. Oh, that's good. My memory's fantastic today. My memory's in the bag today. I don't know what I did back here about 215, but uh, certainly back then I understand. No, seriously, when you look at it that way, now, what do you expect? You think you're going to get a number one? And Chris talked about that yesterday, wanting to get the most out of what they value the most. Yet, uh, contractually or monetarily, you really don't. So that's kind of that's talking out of both sides of your mouth here. That's that's to appease Jonathan Taylor and his people hearing it, and also to understand what evidently reigns in that building right now is, you know, nobody feels the need to give Jonathan Taylor an extra dime, and nobody's going to move off of that until the end of the season. What's that? So within the building itself, it just seems like there needs to be a lot of tied up loose ends. And we talked about this last year. 
but it just it, it seems like you need to get back to that. And I bring up Bill Pulling all the time with good reason because, you know, as much as everybody loathed him, I guess, around here, the guy got the job done right until – you know, he wanted to put his uh, son into the decision-making category. Nobody over there wanted that. And then that basically sealed the deal for him. But when he was here, he knew absolutely everything that was going on. All the decisions. Had his own Monday night talk show. I don't know how many general managers in the NFL have ever or still have their own one-hour talk show. I'm assuming not many, if any. But he knew what was going on. He made all those decisions. And you know what? Everything was quiet. Never heard anything. Unless he wanted to drop it out there. I remember when I had the Manning news. Um, when I had the Manning news, I, I know that he sent messages out to our, our good friend, the late John Clayton, and to Chris Mortensen to debunk the info that I had regarding Manning and Manning's neck. Um, and I, I know that because that was his counter. You know, when he wanted to use the media, he would utilize the national media. Something that's going on that's interesting to me around here, too, is we have seen this in the last month. We'll have Mike Chappell on at the 5 o'clock hour per usual. But a couple of days ago, in his latest article, he had in there an anonymous source telling him, that the Colts felt that this was more of a hold-in, and that's been my thinking. And, and clearly, do I know for sure? No. I mean, would Mike tell me? No. But they, his longstanding relationship, I, I, I can guess where that came from. And it's just like the whole you know, non-football-related back injury thing that popped about a month ago. You, you just know where that came from. If it comes from Schefter or anybody Rappaport now that's going to be agent driven but if it if it comes to like Steven or especially Mike around here you pretty much know where that's coming from now, that didn't used to be the case I mean it used to be an absolute struggle for anybody around here to break any news when Bill Polian was here because if he was going to have anybody break any news uh, it was either going to be him or one of the people he trusted nationally But he always had ways and means to get get his word and get that information out there. And as I mentioned yesterday, the only thing that we haven't heard yet, and I'm guessing we're not likely to hear anything, and I'm also assuming that maybe folks are out there working really hard on a national level to try to secure some sort of an exclusive interview, in this case, with Jonathan Taylor. But there is a lot of information we all like to hear from the Jonathan Taylor side of things. That seems very unlikely, but it seems like it should be next. Because I don't know where else, you know, anybody regarding the Colts can go with this. When you think about it, it's square one. You go all the way back to where you were. This is how you felt when this first started, and this is how you feel right now. I mean, you've traveled this road, and there's been a lot of conversation, a great deal of criticism. Many people backing you, many people not. But as an end result, you are in the same place as you were when you started. 
Why so dug in and why so hardcore? I mean, it's got to be just more right than, well, we won four games last year. And if you're Chris Ballard, I mean, you can't, when you say that, good thing there's not a mirror around because you're the one that put all this together. All right? You're the one that put it together. I know that you didn't make the Saturday decision. And no doubt you were absolutely against that. But team-wise, personnel-wise, that's got your stamp on it. But I mentioned yesterday that's how it sounded, and that's how I felt that it sounded. I won four games. And, of course, Chris, in that opener for us right there, was clearly defending how they they extend players, and they do. You just wonder... If it is not a legitimate injury, what else might be going on here? Why? You know, why not anything? Why not bending? Why not trying to meet, not even in the middle, but even a quarter of a way? So who is it? Steichen? Ballard? Ursay? All of them? I mean, a lot of us feel it's necessary to have somebody the level of, of Taylor back there running and supporting offensively Anthony Richardson. And I'm sorry, until I'm proven otherwise, that's exactly right. Who is it among them that feels that it's not as necessary as as I do, as maybe you do? There's still going to be more to this story. There's no question about that. All right, 239-1070. The email address is jmviet1075 thefancom I got to jump inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Yeah, I know you guys are telling me. I saw the Reds were making some moves. They got former Cardinal blood now in the system. Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader is now a member of the team. Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro had like uh, 19 home runs. All right. This is why I'm trying really, really hard not to get excited. Because you get a couple of outfielders here, right? Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. So might this mean that I do not have to see Stuart Fairchild? Is that what that means? Anybody? I'm hoping that's what that means. And frankly, while I'm at it, I don't want to see that Hopkins guy either. Fairchild and Hopkins? Reds and Cubs coming up this weekend. Man, Cubs fans, if I were you, especially if you reach out to me often and try to dig into the present situation and the El Foldo of the Reds to this point, man, I would be banking in all the all the good fortune, all the good karma that you have because this Labor Day, if it goes haywire for you, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to let you know. And you guys know who I'm talking about. Not all of you. This thing goes haywire, and I don't do that either. I do not do it. But this weekend, if this thing goes haywire on you, and you guys know who I'm talking to, I may have to let you know. But yeah, Renfro and Bader. That means no more Fairchild. Now, if we're talking about Morgan Fairchild, I'm all down with that program. I've seen the seduction before. A little side B happening, a little hot tub action going on. I'm all for it. 
I just don't want to see Stuart Fairchild again. Is that okay? And by the way, Hopkins can also stay down and not play. We'll be okay with that too. We can hit that if you guys like as well. I saw this a little bit earlier. Not only did the Colts ask for star wide receiver Jalen Waddle, that was something that Stephen Holder told us a couple of days ago. As a part of a potential Jonathan Taylor trade with the Dolphins, they also asked for top defensive tackle Christian Wilkins and starting guard Robert Hunt. They also wanted a second-round pick on top of it. Again, they did not want to trade him. They didn't want to trade him. And you know what? If all of a sudden they were talked into trading him, it was going to have to be something like that. And I'm sorry, I don't sit here and believe it has to do with what their perceived value is in the player. There's just something else happening here. There's something else happening where they just didn't want to mess with it. All right, yeah, go out and find your value, but this is our price tag. And nobody in the world is going to meet that. Uh, we'll discuss. I think Nate Atkins, top of the hour, right? Four o'clock. JMV, you realize the last series of the Cubs. Yeah, how do I not realize it? Because I got a couple of clowns that tell me every stinking day what happens with the Cubs. Seriously, you guys can... Well, I better not even say it that way. I am so sick and tired of the flying the W bullcrap. I'm, I'm on the verge. I'm on the verge here, cutting loose. <laughs> so, no. How would I not realize it, all right? But then again, I've been a soft touch. I haven't talked junk. I didn't even talk junk in June. I rarely talk junk. I rarely talk junk because I know what goes around comes around. You better watch that karma. Yeah, Stuart Fairchild. Nate Atkins, top of the hour. Tom Deanhart, a little bit of Boilermaker football conversation is going to join us coming up at 4.30. And Chapel's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. Did you know tomorrow, right? Tomorrow we're going to be, I know i got to hit a break here. Tomorrow we're going to be doing a Backyard Bourbon broadcast at Mystic Waters Campground. I-69, the Pendleton exit. So it is awesome. The weekend is sold out of cabins. This is going to be such an incredible weekend. I have dubbed it the Labor Day weekend bender. So I will be up there the entire weekend. But I'm talking about tomorrow. Tomorrow, 3.30 until 4.30. And I want you guys all to be there too. You can ask him. But Rick Venturi is going to join us live at Mystic Waters tomorrow from 3.30 until 4.30. So his beginning of this, the season thoughts on everything, and certainly he'll take your questions while you're there. I mean, anywhere, but you can certainly ask him while you're there tomorrow. Ford's Garage brings the food. Shout out to Richard. Bell's Brewery, New Belgium together. Bring in the beer and, of course, Heaven Hill Distillery. Mystic Waters, Pendleton, I-69 exit tomorrow. Rick Venturi. I think I also have something else set up that you guys will really like. You'll really dig. And you've only heard this particular interview once ever on this show. 
So something else coming at you tomorrow as well. But we'd love to see you out there. Mystic Waters, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. That is tomorrow beginning at 3. Rick Venturi for a full hour on this show tomorrow. Nate Atkins, Tom Deanhart, Mike Chappell still to come. If you're on hold, I'll get to you inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Look, when you don't have a great player, I mean, but I don't think it stunts his growth. No, not at all. But it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. Did it stunt Andrew's growth without a special bag? (laughs) It's uh, Chris Ballard from yesterday. Colts named their captains. Uh, Shane Steichen has hope that Zach Moss is going to be good to go coming back from that broken arm by week number one. We shall see. Yeah, it looks like Fairchild is still around. I saw this from Mark Sheldon. To make room for Renfro and Bader. Uh, the Reds designated for assignment Lopez and Siani. Well, who the hell that is? Hey, our friend Tucker Barnhart, by the way, too, when you think about it. So he signs a minor league deal with the Dodgers. So assuming that yeah, we'll see, maybe he gets a playoff opportunity. Certainly with a playoff team here in September and a stretch run. Good for him. Hey, JMV, I find it interesting that Ballard said Jonathan says he's still feeling pain under the ankle. He also said, I have to trust and believe him. I believe Chris Ballard also said yesterday that he has never even once lied to Jonathan. Oh, you think there was something in the wording there? Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, you know what I believe. I believe Mike Chappell, who we talk with at the 5 o'clock hour, has a similar belief. Uh, Given the fact that he had an anonymous source in his story a couple of days ago mentioned that. All right, calls and more right now at 239-1070. Email the address at jmv at 1075thefan.com. Nate Atkins, top of the hour. Got to give Boilermaker fans a little bit of love. Don Fisher joins us tomorrow. Tom Deanhart today. A little Boilermaker Fresno State discussion. Jeff Tedford comes to West Lafayette with his offensive mind. Uh, we'll talk about that with Tommy D at about 430. 239-1070 is the number. Tom can lead us off today. Tom, thank you for the call. How are you? Hey, how are you, JMV? Fantastic, Tom. Thank you. Glad, glad to be the first one. Your show is great. Thank you. You suck, but you, you, know, is, you know, your show's good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing the feat that the show is good because I suck so bad. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank no, you, though. Right. Appreciate you. Right. I can't even joke about that. So I'm I'm gonna throw you I'm gonna throw you a different wrench here. We're gonna go a different way. Yep. Um, I agree with you on all this Jonathan Taylor stuff, Colt stuff. I think it's all smoke and mirrors, all that kind of stuff. But let's say hypothetically, 
you know as well as I do, a lot can happen in the league. I mean, look what happened sure. to the Jaguars last year, right? Yeah. So let's say end of the season, towards the end of the season, we're looking at nine wins and we're at least sitting on a wild card and somehow all this works. What's the narrative then? Are we good? Well, I guess we probably ought to just have to say, hey, look how wrong we were, right? I mean, you have to own it. If they win, if, if they play that well, then me, among others, will have to own it. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess that's it. Let I me, let me gotta... tell you this, Tom. Um, there is nothing that I would love more to have to own something like that because I am so sick of soap operas and losing and losing and soap operas around here with this organization. Oh, hey. I'm tired of it. Hey. And my, my clock hey, is ticking. Same boat. I mean, I'm a, I got 53-year-old man right here. Now, I act like I'm 12, but I'm actually 53. So we need to expedite this whole winning process. And I don't care how it gets done as long as it gets done because I want to soak in that for a minute because it's been way too long in negativity, criticism, um, not hitting expectations, and soap operas and clown shows. I'm sick of it all. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Other teams have done it with just a great quarterback, and maybe maybe that's what we're getting out of it. You know, maybe by the end of the season, he's uh, he's the next one, you know. But I don't know. We'll see. Tom, everybody hopes you're right. And believe me, the motivation is there for a lot of people that think I stink and stink for real, who would like to tell me where to go if this team has a great season. I just sit here, and I wish – I, I wish my priority was blowing smoke of that type right up your rear end, but unfortunately it's not. Yeah, Zach Moss, I mentioned that Shane Steichen mentioned to the media earlier today that Zach Moss, they hope to get him back by week one. Uh, no practice today. I believe that is a month in which he has not practiced that's a long time and by the way to ej speed and shaquille leonard linebackers out of their red jerseys so that is good you guys all agree with me on my fairchild point i just can't do it anymore hey jamby the reds are getting a good guy his bat is hot and cold but he's a great defender well, when, when when Fraley went down, that has caused some major issues. And, and now you see McLean, who's on the IL in the infield, and that's a big issue too. But I, it, this all, it was already going haywire. And I know in large part it's about the pitching, and they don't have any better pitching than they did at the beginning of the day, but they needed some bad help too. We can continuously make fun of the Reds' pitching, but it's also been their offense that has been a significant issue in the past month. So if you can find it, dig it up, anywhere, do it. Brian Harris says, run the damn ball was also a thing due to a shoddy passing game. He said shoddy, by the way, as I said it. It was a thing, though. It's just interesting to me how you value you value other things, but not that. Because you were a four-win team. I would imagine, let's just say, for example, Tom's inaccurate and they don't win and go to a wild card game. 
let's say they win four games again. Are you a four-win team? And then you go, well, you know, I we well, are you going to think about the future with these guys? You're going to evaluate you know, some of these major guys you've already extended on the team. I don't know. It just it, it just sounded as I mentioned yesterday. It sounded awkward. Sounded ill advised. Just say we have to look to get better everywhere, and we're not in a position right now. I mean, anything, find anything else other to say, hey, it's about four wins. Because not only is it about four wins, but it's also about you as the leader of this team. Even if you weren't making some of these decisions that did turn it into a clown show, that's just what. What I thought about in the overnight about the whole four wins last season stuff. And we were going back and forth yesterday with, with me thinking, man, that you say that in the same context after James Boyd asked about, you know, why if Jonathan Taylor is one of your better players, you know, why do you not trust him and extend it? Well, we won four games last year. And that's what I mentioned. You know, that sounds like people are going to take that as – you're blaming him. And last year, you know, among those those losses with the four wins, uh, he's not in the top 100 reasons why. Other stuff going on, for sure. Hey, JMV, better chance of this happening this season. Reds win a playoff game. Pacers win a playoff game. Colts win a playoff game. Um, I would have to think the Pacers, right, at this point? I think easily the Pacers right now. I'm not suggesting the Pacers are going to be, you know, some, you know, challenging team to go deep in the postseason. But I think that question is easily with now the noted expectations on the blue and gold where that's going to be. Marcellus is at 239-1070. Marcellus, what did you think about yesterday? Hey, man. Um, Clown show. I mean, it is what it is right now. But I do have an angle here for you. And... I hope you work with me here. I, uh, I know you guys are limited on what you can say about players. I get that, mm-hmm. but we're but we're not limited out here, we're, we're, and we're not stupid either. And what we've learned, uh, and what you what, what you I think the media understands, if you really want truth, unfiltered truth out of Fifty Sixth Street. You go to Ursay. He's always been the one to tell the truth. Remember Andrew Luck? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, nothing, I do. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I do. There's, yes. there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Andrew yeah. except what's between his ears. Remember that? Yep. And what, and what did it turn out to be? It was between, between his ears. His ears. Yeah. That's right. Ursay is unfiltered. He's, he, he, he tells the truth. And when he said that uh, McAfee told him that, hey, everything's fine, Believe me, there's nothing wrong with JT. Nothing. So you think and, it starts and, with you think it starts with him not wanting to give any more I, money I, or extend Jonathan Taylor. I, I, uh, let me ask you this, yeah. Jay, uh, Jay. How do you like when people lie to you and you know they're lying to you? Do you how do you like it if somebody's not dealing honestly with you first, okay, and you know they're not, and they expect something from you though. It, regardless, they expect this. They still expect you to ante up, even though you know they're lying to you. Ursay is quirky. He's strange sometimes, but he's not stupid, okay? And he's playing hardball here with this guy. 
you know, and we know nothing's wrong with JT. You guys can't say it. You might get sued or something. I don't. Well, know I, I, I have I said it. I, yeah, I have but, said it. Yeah, I just yeah. yeah. Yeah, but 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 I can say it, and I know a lot of people out here feeling the same way at this point. JT's not being honest here. Yet he wants more money, and 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 I think Ursay probably probably would have worked something out with him, man. But 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 he found out that he was healthy, and then all of a sudden, when things went south on what he didn't want, oh, oh I'm hurt. Uh, okay, but the, and I realize that's all the players really have. They have no leverage. All they can do is just say, hey, get the phantom ankle thing that we know is healed. Up. Look, man, those don't take that long to heal. And if it's that bad, Jay, uh, Jay, let me tell you, if that ankle's that bad after nine months, he's no good, right? I mean, he's really he's really poisoned his own well. I okay. I asked this too. Whenever he was so outspoken uh, after the whole RV meeting about, yeah. you know, I'm not trading him now. I'm not trading him before the start of the season. I'm not trading him, you know, in October. Yeah. I mean, that's you talk about speaking the truth, and that's why you look at that price tag is so high. Nobody in the world was going to meet that. Nobody in the yeah. world, and that's why you set it up there. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I just think, man. Uh, I think Ursay, when you want the truth, you go to Ursay, man. You don't go to Chris Bell, you don't go to anybody. And I think we got to unseal the truth again. And the, he and Ursay knows it, and Ursay's a little pissed right now. I um, I uh, right. yeah, I, I I can't dispute that. I, I can't, and yeah. I, I also can't dispute. This is something I'm going to talk with Mike Chapel about in the five o'clock hour as well. I can't dispute. I, I just wonder. That's why I brought up the the angles of you know, is it Steichen bringing in a new offense coming from the Eagles? Is it Ballard with a new philosophy on what he values? Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really seem like it's either one of those things. It seems like it's the owner here. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Ursay, yeah. man. I yeah. think it's Ursay, and like I said, we get the truth from Ursay. We don't get it from any place else, man. And I think with, this is the same case. But that's me. What Sa- can I say? Saturday night's <laughs> going to be a blast. You going to be ready for it? Yeah. I'll be ready, man. You take it easy. On location, <laughs> it will be on location. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I do think it starts right there. Hey, Jamie, if I'm marketing manager of the Four Wins, this Four Wins team needs a sponsor. Yeah. That's the Four Wins down at Lake Monroe, or Monroe Lake, I think is what they call it now in Bloomington. Love the Four Wins. The Four Wins as opposed to the Four Wins, I think that may have something going for it right there. Quick break, we'll come back. Top of the hour, Nate Atkins. Of the star, Tom Deanhart talks a little Boilermaker football. Bottom of the four, Mike Chappell's in the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under five feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Nate Atkins, top of the hour. Tom Deanhart's going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour, too. Boilermaker fans, a little insight on Fresno coming to town. Mike Chappell in the 5 o'clock hour had mentioned a couple of days ago 
that he had a source telling him that the Colts believe Jonathan Taylor is in a hold-in scenario. We'll go over that with Mike because that's exactly what I've talked about the past couple of weeks. We'll go over that with Mike in the 5 o'clock hour to the Colts. Signed veteran edge rusher Jacob Martin, former Texan, one-year deal today. I think uh, Joel A. Erickson had that of the star. Give him credit. And I believe yesterday it was, uh, quote, unquote, I guess, air quotes here, speed rusher Isaiah Land that got off waivers of the Cowboys. Uh, But Jacob Martin, a little bit earlier this afternoon, is the latest. This reminder, tomorrow, Backyard Bourbon broadcast for absolutely everybody. Mystic Waters. Mystic Waters off of I-69 in Pendleton. It is Heaven Hill Distillery. It is Bell's Brewery along with New Belgium. They've merged together now, too, and Ford's Garage with the food. Everybody can be there tomorrow. Busy show tomorrow, including Don Fisher. I don't know about Wells just yet. I know Bob Lovell's going to be here. we got Rick Venturi live with us. Tomorrow in Pendleton at Mystic Waters from 3.30 until 4.30. So get those questions available. And maybe I got something else for you tomorrow, too. I'll let you know when it happens. Quick break. We'll come back. Florida, Utah, college football-wise, coming at you 7.30 tonight right here on The Fan. Other side, Nate Atkins of the Star, the latest on the Colts yesterday. And as we enter the Labor Day weekend, looking ahead to the start of the season. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tom Deanhardt, bottom of the hour. Chapel's going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. An hour with Rick Venturi coming up tomorrow, 3.30 until 4.30. Our Backyard Bourbon broadcast with Heaven Hill Distillery is going to be at the Mystic Waters Campground. Pendleton exit, I-69. Everybody's invited. It's going to be a weekend bender, by the way, too. Because tomorrow you got me and this show until 7 DJ Skids is going to play up there until whenever. And then coming up on Saturday night, the JMV Takeover for the first time is going to be live on location. And uh, not only am I going to be available to take your calls per usual, but we'll also do some Skids mini mixes live on location on Saturday. So the Labor Day weekend bender going to be a Mystic Waters campground. It starts with a Backyard Bourbon broadcast tomorrow, beginning at 3. And I'll have something else for you. Something else regarding the Colts for you coming up tomorrow as well. I'll let you know when I get it, but I'll have something else for you tomorrow. Again, all begins at 3, Mystic Waters campground, I-69 in Pendleton. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second. And by the way, everybody's invited tomorrow too. Just consider this. Me telling you, let's go. No need to RSVP. Just join me. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Colts. Nate Atkins, he does join us. Uh, Most compelling moment, if there, I guess, was one yesterday from covering the press conference involving Colts general manager Chris Ballard. What was it for you? Uh, 
yeah, there's a lot to, to digest there. I would have to say uh, just kind of his his recognition that this has been pretty miserable on everybody, I think was interesting uh, because up until this point, you know, we're judging the body language every day at training camp. It certainly doesn't look at all good from Jonathan Taylor's point of view. You know, he's he's there, but he's, he's disengaged. He's not a smiling self. But everyone else around it tried their very best to just sort of ignore uh, the elephant in the room or the ghost in clothes, I would say. And Shane Second would pass it off. And other guys, would, you know, you'd try to talk more about Anthony Richardson, the excitement. Um, in, in, in Jonathan Taylor was just such a taboo topic that it was almost like, let's just not talk about it and maybe we just won't have to address it. And, you know, Chris Ballard chose to come right out at, in his opening statement and, and not only bring it up, but go as far as to say, you know, this sucks for us, for the Colts, for Jonathan, for the fans. And it was real about how it's taken away from uh, the excitement around Anthony Richardson and Bernard Ryman and the young players on this team and Shane Steichen. And I just thought it was a good moment of reality because what often happens in this league or on kind of all levels of football is people in charge very much are trying to eliminate distractions, even if it means sort of ignoring realities sometimes and acting like something's not a big deal publicly when it's a huge deal privately. And so kind of for Chris Bauer to come out and say that I thought was good to level with the fans, but also just a sign of how frustrated he is by this, that it's not only been an ordeal that's bothered him, you know, the past few months with, with all the twists and turns, but it's undone a lot of sort of the goodwill and, and processes he's built here since he came here back in 2017, that for so long these negotiations with players had been really a healthy environment and something he was very proud of. And this one has just really uh, kind of stressed him to the bone and, uh, especially when he acknowledges that there's not really a clear end in sight. He doesn't really know how he's going to fix it yet or was at least wasn't able to articulate that. You could just kind of feel the stress in a lot of his answers. Jim Marseille said in the broadcast booth, third quarter during the Bears game almost a couple of weeks ago that and this is paraphrasing that you know Chris Ballard was you know cleaning up the mess or something like that it felt like at the beginning of that presser yesterday was exactly what he was doing at least trying to yeah yeah I think that you know there are a lot of references throughout the presser from Chris Ballard about how Jonathan's a great person great player you know, he kept going back to an old line he said where you play, you pay great players regardless of position. To me, it was, you know, and of course that can sound opposed to some of the other things he said about why they're not doing it right now. But I think he's trying to create a situation where this can be fixed, is that you could acknowledge that it's kind of gone off the rails a little bit. People are upset, and, uh, and this is one of those situations. But he does think there's sort of a way to turn it around, and that's, kind of been their message to Jonathan throughout this whole process, why they want him to kind of come back into the fold and, you know, have a big year in Shane Seconds' offense and and with Anthony Richardson and try and get back to the player he was in 2021 when he won the rushing title and uh, show that he's both healthy and durable and explosive. And they're trying to say, like, we do believe that's in you. We just need you to kind of be willing to go out there and and show it. And that's ultimately, if they're not going to want to offer – the contract that he wants and they're not going to trade him, which at this point they still could. And I think that's a possibility as we get close when he returns to the public or gets close. But right now in their minds, that's not what they want to do because 
you know, they're losing value with him losing four games. The team training for him, if they don't like the offers now, are not going to get better, you know, in four weeks from now. So the thing they need to have happen is eventually Jonathan Taylor has this change of heart where he says, you know what, even though I don't like what's going on here, the only thing I really can do is bet on myself and at least find joy in playing football and dominating on the field with them the way he did in 2021. So I feel like Chris is trying to at least extend this idea of like, hey, there still are rewards to be found out there, even if you can't see them right now. And we, we really believe in you so much uh, that, that we believe you can go out and show it. It's just, again, it's from, from Jonathan's perspective, what's hard is he's still expecting action, and that's ultimately what's not come so far. Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, it's been my point of view that he is definitely necessary offensively, um, even though the position to speak regarding running back is not necessarily at all viewed that particular way. Do you believe him to be as necessary for the quarterback situation and that growth moving forward as I do that apparently Chris Ballard does not? I think he's a huge part of trying to get Anthony Richardson settled in and uh, kind of the experience he needs to develop as a passer without crumbling in certain moments. So if they had a different type of team, I think you could talk about how the running back is not necessary. I don't think in a vacuum a running back necessarily has to be that for a rookie quarterback. Uh, But, uh, you know, a team, for for example, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, as we brought up, they've been able to move on from Miles Sanders, uh, but they have five other pro bowlers in their offense. So if you have that kind of an offense with two dominant wide receivers that are forcing teams to play two high safeties, a great offensive line. And you don't know how that's going to work out just yet either. That remains to be seen without a 1,200-yard-plus rusher. And that, Yeah, and that too. So that's still theoretical. But in this specific instance, I've, I've been out there every day at training camp, but this really came – this really came in focus in Philadelphia when they went up against a more talented defense without Jonathan Taylor. I just don't know where the explosive plays are going to come from that often. Now, of course, we know Anthony Richardson can can scramble, extend a play, and launch the ball down the field. And I'm sure there will be moments where he's able to connect with Alec Pierce on a go route or, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. on a late scramble is able to make a contested play. That will happen sometimes. In the run game, though, it seems like it's going to fall all on Anthony Richardson's shoulders to be the explosive player. And what I'm seeing in Philadelphia, and granted, that's a defense that knows that offense very well, so they kind of knew how to force their hand in certain ways. But you would just have multiple defensive ends converging on Anthony Richardson and forcing a handoff to a very open lane and then trusting their safeties to just step up and make a tackle within five yards trusting that once it got into the red zone, the field would tighten down, the safeties would be closer to the line of scrimmage, and if they could force Anthony Richardson to pass, that's the part of the field that's most difficult for him right now because there's a lot of tight window throws, it's quick timing, It's uh, you need really good chemistry with your receivers, and I think I just think Jonathan is key to saving him from the number of times he has to play in the red zone by turning you know maybe a 20-yard blocked run into a 55-yard touchdown run and just kind of lifting the entire group. And if they can ease Anthony in that way, to me it would be kind of like the Cowboys once did with Dak Prescott, who was a fourth-round pick and stepped in for Tony Romo, but they had Zeke Elliott. And that two-man game in the backfield you know, produced a team that could win a division title. And all of a sudden, Dak Prescott is a very efficient thrower that year because very little 
he was very rarely in these situations where he had to drop back and, and win when it was obvious he had to pass. So I think for this specific team, Jonathan Taylor is very, very valuable to giving them a situation where not everything's going to fall on Anthony. And where I really think about this is in terms of Anthony's durability, because if it is a situation where defenses, you know, either he's handing off because defenses converge on him or, or they're just designing more runs for Anthony because he is the explosive threat they have, it's going to expose him to more risks and more hits. That's always going to be a risk in his profile, but he's gotten hurt at Florida. He's gotten hurt in high school when he's been in situations where he did not have quite enough around him. So I think trying to get as much around him right now as possible is the most important thing because if he's not out there on the field and at practice, he can't develop as a passer. Nate Atkins of the Star, uh, talking Colts, made some moves today. We'll get to those coming up in a minute. You believe that that Ballard and Steichen are on the same page of of what they believe they need from Jonathan Taylor or wish that they had him? I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is here, you think all three, including the owner, are on the same page with this? Or is this a situation, even coming from Philly, and how you just described Miles Sanders and what they're trying to do in that flip now in Philly? You will find out if that works or not. But still, you, you need, and we saw that development in Philadelphia last year offensively, even with their weapons, they needed a running back that was a legitimate threat, even beyond their quarterback who rushed for 700 yards. But you think Steichen, would he rather have Taylor here, or is he okay with how there's been this significant line drawn in the sand here organizationally with Jonathan Taylor? You think everybody, all those three on the same page, you think, with where this thing stands right now? Well, I think they would all want Jonathan to be out here, and if, if they didn't value him really at all, they would have at least traded him because they do recognize how much of a – issue this is and a distraction this is and so there is this sort of acknowledgement that he is better than the backs they have obviously they could they can use him i think james Sykin would you know, he always wants better players than, than rather than worse players uh so certainly there's this idea that he is valuable to a point i do think it's quite possible that you know these three talked Jim Mersey, chris ballard and james Sykin talked throughout the spring about how to build out this team and i do think there's there's at least a moment where they raised questions about either the need for an elite running back or how much you're willing to pay that guy and commit right now. And I do think the thing they're in agreement on is just sort of the timeline of it is that they, they very much are trying to figure out kind of how quickly they can get Anthony Richardson and this Colts team in a competitive place to where you could start thinking about moves that, that, you know, that, that may not be absolutely necessary, but that are helpful luxury moves like signing a top tier running back. Are they close enough to want to do that? That's what teams at this trade are not the, the past couple of days had to ask themselves when trading with the Colts, are they a running back away to give up assets for Jonathan Taylor? So I think in that respect, they do. I do think there's an agreement that it's best to wait and just let things play out because this is a natural kind of big picture, longer term growth pattern with Anthony Richardson, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say who, who's kind of exactly pulling more weight on this. I do firmly believe that Chris Ballard has been in control of a lot of this, that this is, there is some narrative nationally that this is just a Jim Mersey, uh, idea to, to not pay Jonathan Taylor. And certainly Jim Mersey has inserted himself in this and made it known how he feels that it's not the time to pay Jonathan Taylor. But I very much, uh, my understanding is that Chris Ballard's 
been been very much at the control of this too, because he's the one who sat down for three long meetings with Jonathan Taylor, and uh, in, in it also goes to show that you know he has not extended anybody uh, since Shane Steichen came in. They've signed some players back who are free agents, but everything's been a little bit on a pause so that they could sort of evaluate this differently with a new coaching staff and just not kind of force some of the moves they made in the past. And I, I just think that's one thing that got lost yesterday. A lot of people are wrapped up in Chris Ballard's comment about, you know, we won four games last year. I don't think what he's saying is we won four games, so we can't sign anybody until we're a good team. I think more what he's saying is, we're going to do things a little differently right now because the path we took for years and years led us to four wins and it's a natural time for change or at least being open to it and being more patient with it. So I think they're all kind of on the same page as far as the base approach to it. But I can also say, I don't think any of those three uh, leaders thought that it would get anywhere near here. And it's, it's hard to read kind of what, what they believe they need to fix. The one thing we know is they didn't feel like it was time to trade him. So they're going to try and figure this out together right now. Uh, Nate, I'll start right there. I don't think in any way, shape, or form they had any plans of trading him. Because if you would have, you wouldn't have set the price tag so stratospherically high that nobody was going to touch it. I mean, they knew they weren't going to get any legitimate offers for a number one like that. And if you read, you know, some of these these subjects and rumors about, you know, what people were reporting, you know, they also asked for. I mean, that's all unrealistic stuff because they didn't ultimately, in my opinion, want to trade him. And I will also say this. If Chris Ballard has a new philosophy going into year seven, he should. There's no doubt about that because the first six years it has not worked uh, and especially went downhill in the past couple. So he should have a new philosophy. I just don't happen to think that with this running back and this quarterback right now, I mean, if you wanted to draw a line in the sand and you wanted to draw it, you know, at a left guard or you want to draw it at a linebacker or or whatever, that's reasonable. But I would not draw it right now on Jonathan Taylor, much like I wouldn't have drawn it on a wide receiver like Michael Pittman Jr. that you wanted to keep around. I just think that there, there are certain assets that you have that best benefit your team in that moment. And Taylor, to this one, given this team's makeup offensively, is still one of those. And you could chalk it up to bad timing or whatever, but it still just makes no sense as to why you would not want to try to at least go a little further in making sure that this guy is a part of it. I mean, hell, especially this year. I mean, you're going to miss the first four games. At some point, he's got to play. But it just doesn't – drawing the line in the sand right now with him doesn't make a lot of sense, even if you do have a a not-so-subtle change in philosophies. that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And there was a moment in yesterday's presser that I keep thinking back to, and that's when uh, Chris Bowden was asked if he has regrets and how he's handled any of this with Jonathan. And Chris kind of took a pause, and he said that he thinks about this all the time. And he didn't come out and, and lay out any specific regrets. But I do think that looking back, I, you know, I I do think that there was a way for them to – they certainly could have handled this differently as we've been through. I think both sides – could have handled it better. The reactions or communication uh, between the two parties has never been great. I mean, I, I think you can understand kind of how they both arrived at that point, just in a, a general level of, you know, I, for, for example, I think if Chris's idea, if the Colts idea, I should say, was that the best business approach was to have Jonathan play out the rookie year, and then they can look at you know, the franchise tag, which is only $10 million right now for running backs, if they could get him to play on that next year, 
And then, like, at some point, if he if he's able to maintain his levels or get back to 2021 levels, that maybe at some point in there they say, okay, well, we took the, the low-risk options that were available to us, and now that the tag's going up, you know, and he's he's held up his end of the bargain, it's time to extend him. I think that patience in a business sense is very sound. The thing that I, I wonder if they regret is once they realized that Jonathan was kind of on to that, that he was afraid of that being the situation, that he didn't trust um, them to keep him healthy, and that all of a sudden the body was going to sort of become in, a, in some ways collateral as far as, uh, you know, Jonathan doesn't want to be on the field until he has some guarantees, and they want him back on the field before they offer those guarantees. I think they could have found a compromise back when they talked in May or June before you know, Malki Kawa came into the fold and, and started tweeting the way he did before they met on a bus uh, at training camp. And before, you know, we're at this point where we're going to start the season, he's going to miss four games. Yeah. I think there was always a way to sit down and talk through that specific fear about the franchise tag, where if that was going to be such a holdup to where you're in doubt of whether you'll even get this guy or if he is just going to be a problem, that's when they could have found some kind of compromise. And, Ultimately, they have the money to do it. They've always had the money to do it. It's more that they were taking the tools available to them to not have to spend it, which is, again, smart business. But what's not the most sound business is being too uh, too line in the sand on this to the point where you may not get any value out of the thing you were trying to sort of – it's almost like they overplayed a hand a little bit, or they're at least risking that. And I wonder if that's the thing they regret. Nate Atkins of the Stars with us. When you look at this offensive roster, the way that it stands, and I know that that Ballard mentioned uh, multiple times yesterday, roster uh, mechanics, I guess. that what you said? Roster mechanics? Was that it? Yep, that was the phrase. Yeah, roster mechanics. We've heard it all around here, by the way, over the years. Roster mechanics is certainly not that new, but uh, somewhat fresh in itself. How how do you look at this, this offense, especially wide receiver? Um, it's weird to look at it that way uh, because there's another portion of this team that is very important to the development of your rookie inexperienced quarterback. And to look at the depth chart right now is a bit startling. Yeah. I mean, they have four total wide receivers and that's, they got down to three for a minute till they brought Isaiah McKenzie back. So right now they can feel good. I think about having a backup slot receiver, but there isn't anyone to back up on the outside spots. Now they do have guys they put on the practice squad, like Juwan Winfrey and Mike Strawn, who've been here that they feel like, you know, if they need to elevate them, they can do that. But yeah, looking out to 17 games of knowing you're going to have injuries in this league, uh, you know, it is, it is a concern. That is a position where, you know, I think Michael Pittman Jr. should be expected to play 95% of the snaps when he's healthy. I think they feel good about, at least the the fit of the role of, you know, Alec Pierce and Josh Downs for what they're asking them to do, but it's it's like a lot of positions on this team where, it's it's one thing to talk yourself into the starters, it's another thing to acknowledge that you're going to have injuries. And I think about this with the offensive line as well is that if you could tell me that those five guys will be out there for all 17 games and and you believe they can play to their potential, I could see where you could talk yourself into this kind of being a bounce back year for them and and that being a, a fine way to go the problem is that a lot of this if there's one injury it could really start to unravel things and i just maybe there's not an easy solution to that if michael Pittman jr goes down i don't maybe they looked across the league and and just at the options for the past few months and realized like we don't have a great answer to that if that happens anyway uh but 
certainly they're in a spot where uh, not making the waiver claims to address it makes you wonder, you know, just just what what they're going to do if they have some of these injuries. It seems like practice squad um, is going to be have have to be the way that they roll, and uh, that's just kind of where it's 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 likely to be a difficult year, not only because this team's young and has a rookie quarterback, but they just can't really afford injuries, and you just you know some of those are going to happen. They just have to hope and hope that they happen at the right spots. And there's a couple spots in this team where I think that that could work. You know, if if they have to bring in a backup, most in defense, backup defensive tackle or safety, I think they could be fine. But some of those positions, especially in offense, especially with Jonathan Taylor not out there, you add running back into that. Delaney Woods going on injured reserve, tight end kind of moves into that. They definitely, uh, they definitely have to hope for really good health on offense for Anthony Richardson and all the positions around him. Uh, Zach Moss, I know Shane Steichen said today that he had hoped week one Zach Moss would return from that broken arm. What do you think? Yeah, that's been their hope since he broke it. It was sort of the timeline was going to put it in this range of where week one, week two, that was sort of the the area where they were hoping he could come back. Obviously, they were at that point they they still didn't know what the deal was with Jonathan Taylor. Now they know for sure Jonathan Taylor will not be there week one or two or three or four. So I don't know if that'll play into it. Um, they want to get him. They want to get him right. But yeah, the running back room's thin. They've got uh, they've got three total on the active roster, and Zach Moss is one of those, and he's not healthy at the moment. So you know, you look at the other two guys they have at that position. Deion Jackson last year showed he's a very solid receiver. Uh, you know, but less so as a runner. I think Evan Hull really showed in preseason that he, he's he's quite talented as a pass protector, and they did not have enough of that last year. That's going to be key for a rookie quarterback. So there are elements they can bring, but as far as that uh, kind of high-volume runner, uh, Zach Moss is the guy that they want to do that. He's the guy that showed it late last season. Uh, you know, he averaged you know close to five yards a carry. Um, the thing with him is he's not – He's not going to be the explosive back. He ran like a four six forty. Uh, so he's that's where we bring up Jonathan Taylor's explosiveness being something they are not going to be able to just manufacture. But Zach Moss is important in the sense that if they want to run the ball a lot and they want to hand the ball off, like defense converges on Anthony, they hand the ball off and want a running back to be consistent and reliable and you know and make good decisions with the blocking that's there, the spacing that's there. Zach Moss is is definitely the one they trust the most. So. Uh, they're going to try to get him back week one, but it is one of those where because they know Jonathan's out for four weeks and maybe longer than that, what they really need to do is get Zach Moss right again because they've got to have running backs if they're going to run this system with Anthony. Uh, no red jerseys for Shaquille Leonard and for EJ Speed today, correct? Uh, I wasn't at practice today. That's what I heard. I was out for a funeral. Ah, uh, okay. That, that no problem. Sorry yeah. to hear that. That's Okay. That's just um, leave it. Leave it up to me. Leave it up to me to ask the question. Would lead you to that answer. Well done. That's right out of my. That's that's right out of my playbook. <laughs> Sorry about that. Me, me going on the radio the day of it. It's okay. But uh, uh, Shaquille Leonard is making good progress, though. That's okay. Uh, I noticed that from the other day, but but I know he didn't. I, I heard from others he did not. He's not all the way through yet. So it's, okay, it's still a little bit. But they have they have a week or so to, to get it figured out. All right, we'll see you, uh, what is it, a uh, couple of weeks, a week from Sunday, I guess, a week from Sunday. We'll see you down there. So, 
in, the, in the press box for the first time when Jacksonville comes to town. Of course, it's Nate Atkins of the Star. You can follow him on X and other social media platforms and uh, read his stuff at the Indianapolis Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Nate, have a fantastic weekend. Yep, we'll do. You too. And we'll, uh, we'll see you in a little over a week. You got it, buddy. Nate Atkins, the Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, sometimes I do that. I just shut my mic off instead of hang it up. Eh, eh. Weird. Yeah, just like it be me asking that question. Well done. Well done, numb nuts. Hey, if you're on hold, I get to you. We got Tom Deanhart coming up. Fresno State's in West Lafayette coming up on Saturday. Jeff Tedford's team. We'll talk about that with Tom Deanhart's Mike Chapel. Top of the hour two. Tomorrow's gonna be a blast. I'll remind you of that. Your calls and more coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick, chicky, boom, chick, chicky, boom. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mystic Waters tomorrow for a Backyard Brevin broadcast. Rick Venturi, 3.30 until 4.30 tomorrow with us live there. Answer some of your questions live. Answer some of your questions over the air tomorrow with us. With Rick. Uh, Don Fisher tomorrow, too. Do we know, is Wells going to make an appearance? I know he's been in on ESPN Radio. Have you heard? Uh uh, Bob Lovell, week three of the high school football season coming up, too. Our game of the week features Trinity versus Center Grove tomorrow. Eddie Garrison and I believe Jim Leisure have the call tomorrow night, beginning at 7 o'clock. It is right after the Colts Happy Hour, hosted by me. And what should be a fantastic backyard bourbon broadcast. Heaven Hill Distillery, New Belgium Brewing, Ford's Garage with the food. And uh, we'd love to see you up there. Mystic Waters Campground. That's I-69 in the Pendleton exit. Hold tight if you're on hold. Back to you in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Big goings on in West Lafayette this weekend. And I'm not talking about rat playing uh, at a nightclub up there or anything like that that would really secure the attention of our next guest. But we're talking about Boilermaker football in action. Jeff Tedford and what has been over the years a very stylistic offense coming to town in Fresno State. And Tom Deanhardt of Golden Black Illustrated joins us to talk about it. Tommy D, how you doing? Doing good, buddy. Yeah, 61-year-old Jeff Tedford versus... 37-year-old Ryan Walters. How about that? I described him as stylistic offensively over the years. Is that accurate? Yeah, this is a guy, I think he's coached, I want to say, five or six first-round draft choice quarterbacks. Uh, Kyle Bowler, of course, Aaron Rodgers uh, among them. Uh, I think you coached Joey Harrington as offensive coordinator at Oregon. So this is a guy who knows offenses, developed a lot of signal callers. His guy last year, Jake Hayner, got picked by the Saints, and he's breaking in a new kid this year, John, a transfer from Central Florida, Mikey Keene, 5'11 kid. So, again, you know Tepper's going to be ready. Like I said, a very sage coach who's, who's really has a reputation for, for developing quarterbacks and, and running offenses. All right, so is the stadium done? Yeah, it's ready. You know, there's, there's, there's going to be a few cosmetic things not ready. Sort of like if you're building a house, maybe all your doorknobs aren't on or all your uh, – 
Oh, you know, just sort of those details. But they're going to be able to host people, and uh, it's going to be nice. I was in there about a week or so ago, got a quick tour of it, and it's going to be very, very intriguing to see that place sewed up with people and you see how they sort of interact among all the uh, all the new uh, amenities there. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that, too. Well, what do you expect to see from Fresno State? Again, um, you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to be very good on both lines. A lot of veterans back on both sides of the ball up front. I mentioned the new quarterback, a new running back. And, again, receivers, that's where they have most of their questions on the offensive side of the ball. I know they've got two cornerbacks they like a lot, and their, their top tackle linebackers returning as well. So, And, John, it's funny. This is a team that started 1-4 last year and won their last nine games. So they're, they're going to bring a nine-game winning streak to West Lafayette. And um, not that that really matters, but sort of a fun fact that extends from last year. So, again, uh, more of their questions are on offense. Uh, again, I, you know they're going to be well prepared. And again, for Purdue, John, there's just a lot of unknowns on both sides of the ball with everything so new with the new staff and so many new players brought in from the portal, too. All right. Uh, yeah, you got a first year head coach, but then you got an offensive coordinator that is known for getting it up and down the field at a rapid pace in Graham Harold. Uh, Graham Harold, I should say. What uh, What's your expectation um, as far as the offense? And, and I, I think we're both in the same category with Graham Harold of, of this offense being well in front of the defense in this case, but, but how far and can it be enough to salt away some games? If maybe that defense is not ready for prime time. Yeah, it may have to be. Um, I like the skill talent that they've got. Uh, I like Hudson card, the quarterback from Texas. I like the three running backs led by Devin Mockaby and the two Indianapolis kids, of course, Tyrone Tracy and Dylan Downing. I think they got good enough receivers and tight ends. John It's going to come down to the offensive line. And they've got some questions there. They may not have their left tackle. They could be playing their third-string center. So that, that's going to be the, the, the unit that really dictates if this offense can hit the ground running like a lot of people think. And like you said, I think it's going to have to be clicking early on here. If he wants to get out of the gate quick, it's a big month, John. Four out of five games in September at home. And I think Purdue's got to be at least three and two when the calendar flips from September to October. When you look at Hudson Card, is it a good feeling knowing these skill position players that he has to work with? Because, as I mentioned, I think it's going to be necessary, and especially in this game on Saturday, for them to score uh, a lot of points because you just you don't know yet how this defense is going to respond. But do you like the makeup of these skill position players that Hudson Card has to work with this year? Yeah, again, they're looking for that alpha receiver. I think Deion Burks, number four, is going to be that alpha receiver. Um, T.J. Sheffield, number eight, is a guy to watch, too. Now, I did mention the number one tight end, Garrett Miller, will not play Saturday, which is a big blow. That's a big deal. Uh, he's, a, he's a pro. He's the best pro prospect on the team, and he's still getting over a knee injury. They're being very cautious with him. So Hudson Carr will not have him at his disposal. So that's going to be a big minus. But, yeah. I still think there may be enough there. But, again, Fresno State, like I said, well-coached. They've got a very sage defensive coordinator, a guy named Kevin Coyle, who's been in the NFL for years, too. So, you know, they've studied all the Illinois tape to learn about this defense. You know, they've also studied all of Graham Harrell's tape from West Virginia and USC. They're going to know what Purdue wants to do. And, and, and as these things usually go, John, it's going to come down to which team probably makes the fewest mistakes and actually who, uh, who executes the best, too. Now, what kind of crowd – are you expecting? I have not seen anything yet. Is is it sold out? Is that the expectation? 
Not, not, not a sellout. I was at the Ryan Walters show last night down at the Union talking to some people with the program, and they, they don't expect to sell out. In fact, over 50,000 fans. They just announced this last week to the new capacity of the renovated Rossade Stadium, 61,441, I believe, was the total. So a little bit less than they had before. So, yeah, not a sellout, but they expect a good, robust crowd. It should be hopefully a day sort of like today, nice and sunny and clear, but not overly hot. Uh, again, you, you, you want to start one and if you're if you're Purdue, yeah. John. You got you got a trip to Virginia Tech on the heels of this game, right? You don't want to go to Blacksburg 0 and one, and you want to keep the honeymoon going for at least one more week if you're if you're Ryan Walters at Purdue too. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that'd be too endearing to anybody if you come out and lay one right and at home in your first game. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Again, you you go back to the Vegas odds makers. This this game opened up with, with Purdue about a six and a half point favorite, and I think they're down to about a three point favorite now. So uh, anybody that knows college football knows about Fresno State. They know the history of this program. You know about Jeff Tedford. So this is not an ideal uh, program and coach to try to make your debut against, I don't think. I, I mentioned this too. Pressure on the quarterback. I, I, there's so many yeah. unknowns defensively, but that is something that is major. We can talk about the back end of that defense too, but uh, they're going to be capable of putting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, yeah real quick. And again, that's that, 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 like the offensive line uh, was, was the one unit on offense that underwent the most change. It probably has the most questions. It's the secondary on defense. At the cornerback spot in particular, every player on the two-deep at cornerback is either a transfer or a true freshman. So sort of give you an idea of some of the turnover back there. And not a lot of depth. If, if they get down to the number three cornerback, it's a junior college transfer. And the number four cornerback is a true freshman. So they got to keep those two, two top cornerbacks healthy. So it's going to be imperative for that front to get some heat. So those D-backs don't have to play a lot of extended coverage. And I do think the strength of that defense, John, is the front, especially the outside linebackers. Nick Scourton, number five, Kydren Jenkins and Corday Sidman. they got some guys that can bring the heat off the edge. And they're going to have to do so if this defense wants to have some success, I think, against this new quarterback at Fresno. Yeah, Fresno State, Virginia Tech on the 9th. The 16th, yeah. it's it's Syracuse. And then, uh, obviously, Big Ten play on the 22nd against 19th-ranked Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not a lot of gimme in those first mm-hmm. four right there in Purdue land. Yeah, you got like I said, you got you got five games, four at home. You got to be at least three and two. Man, if you lose Saturday, then you lose at Virginia Tech. Obviously, you don't want to be zero and two coming home, having to win all three of those games. The Syracuse game is a sellout. It's at night. Of course, the Wisconsin game is a Friday night game on Fox. That's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, September thirtieth at home is homecoming against Illinois. Yeah. Storylines write themselves there. That's going to be the day too, John, that they dedicate the Tiller Tunnel. Joe Tiller's widow, Arnett Tiller, will be in town with a lot of his family members. So, yeah, that's going to be a big game, too, a lot of emotion. So, then here again, sadly, here, speaking of uh, emotion, the honorary captain is going to be Mike Allstott, the A-train. I think nice. he's, he's going to have people fired. Too bad he can't suit up, too, right? <laughs> that's that's nice right there. So, that is, that is well done. Sounds like it's going to be a good party up there on Saturday, too. Should be. I always like day games. I know a lot of fans don't like them and cuts in on the tailgating. But yeah, I think we're all happy the season's here, right? Uh, tonight there's some good games. That that Minnesota Nebraska game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Of course, Utah, Florida, and we're off and away, my friend. And uh, we're going to look up. It'll be December 
talking about bowl games. So yeah, it's it's a great time of year with with, with football really hitting its uh, about ready to hit first gear and get going. How's uh, how's Zach doing with uh, Team Canada? Doing pretty good. Yeah, he's supposed to be back here soon, uh, obviously, and they'll be starting practices. I know Ethan Morton's trying to get healthy, and uh, they got some recruits in for visits here. I know this weekend some some juniors. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the excitement continues to bubble here uh, with the hoop team, too. Uh, so, of course, that'll be front and center before I know it, too. So, Tom Dean Hart of Golden Black Illustrated getting you set for a Boilermaker Saturday with uh, Fresno State in town. And, again, man, those first four, you even look further than that with Iowa, Ohio State. Uh, you you got to be ready and ready to go right here and right now. So it's tough. You know, they had a tough schedule with Ohio State and Michigan both on the schedule. Ohio State comes to Purdue. The Boilermakers have to go to Ann Arbor, so that just sort of complicates you know, what, what, what Ryan Walters is trying to get done here this year. Just a tough schedule. Did you watch the volleyball game with 90-plus thousand last night in Lincoln? <laughs> just very little glimpses of it. I mean, what a, what a sight, right? Wow. You, yeah. Well, more can you say? I, I would say every time I go to Lincoln, I fall in love. I mean, they, they worship their athletes out there. I mean, that would be the place to be an athlete. Uh, they, they think you walk on water, and I, I'm always amazed by the support they give all their sports in uh, you know, at Nebraska. So would you 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 would dig a move to Lincoln? You, oh, I you would, would move I to love, Nebraska? I love I love going to Lincoln. I love that downtown, the Haymarket. It's it's great, you know, like I said, they, they worship at the altar of Cornhusker Athletics and, and Lincoln has become a really cool town too. Well, look out. Golden Black <laughs> Illustrated. I, I don't know who not, the parent is. It's not, it's not West Lafayette, John. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. It's not West Lafayette. Uh, you guys have a Raising Canes there. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Raising Canes. Of course, we got all the traditional places, Triple X and Bruno's and Arnie's. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you yeah. what. That, that, that area by the hill over there is so nice now. So nice. Building two more dorms. But the one thing. I miss from back in my days the old Garcia's Pizza right there. Oh, don't get Mall. me started, brother. I love Garcia. You know, yeah, I have, I have a Garcia's Pizza plastic beer pitcher down at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, now you're a real man of my heart, knowing you got that. So yeah, I was. I love walking in that place, just smelling that pizza, getting a slice, sitting up by a window and watching the people walk by. Did you get a gut buster and back then too? Oh yeah, two oh. gut busters and then a Coca Cola. Man, let me tell and, you. Uh, I thought that was, to me that was fine dining, John. That was fine dining. I never understood. They always called themselves, or at least for a time, Las Vegas style pizza. I never really understood that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but it's I better than I, Detroit style pizza, which is Little Caesars. So yeah. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but they were always home of the Flying Tomato Brothers. Oh, I love the flying. That's J- Ralph yeah, and Joe. Ralph yeah. and Joe. You know, and in Bloomington, they you know they Bloomington's kind of like a home of hot air balloons, right? But uh, they always had a hot air balloon. I guess it was a hot air balloon race yeah. or something. They would always have a hot air balloon for Garcia's Pizza. They had one, and you know what? The last Garcia's I remember seeing was at Champagne. It is still there. Campus. It is still, still there. there. Okay. Yeah, it is still there. So we'd we'd have to make that road trip to Champagne to go to a Garcia's. I I loved it. I would go there any any time, whenever. I'd go hang out, you know, right off of IU's campus, right there at uh, Indiana and Kirkwood Kirkwood area where Kilroy's is and Spaceport was, and the Von Lee had all that action going on. But man, the centerpiece of that was Garcia's. So missed. Yeah. And, and the one, the one place I've wanted to go to in Bloomington, I've never been, is, is it Mama Bears? Uh, Mother Bears. Mother Bears. Mother Bears Pizza. Mm, Mother Bears is great, buddy. I've heard a lot about that. I've got a pizza. I've got a gyro at uh, 
the Greek place at the other corner was was really good too. But that's that's a great town, you know. I, for for a Purdue guy, I have to admit, man, Kirkwood Avenue, that whole that whole square. Uh, it's it's changed nice, a great deal. Nice. Uh, changed a great deal, and oftentimes it has not changed for the better. But there are still so many great spots that hold true yeah. to the memories of twenty and thirty and forty years ago. Yeah. It is an awesome spot down there, even if you're a Boilermaker fan, even if you're a Boilermaker right, backer. I, I could admit it's it's a lot of fun. I I, I I just love checking out college campuses, and that's that's a beautiful one with a lot of nice nice places to eat. Tom Dinar to Golden Black Illustrated. There's still one Garcia's open. That's in Champaign, Illinois, <laughs> near and dear to our heart. All right, yeah. enjoy that game on Saturday. We'll check in again soon. Take care, buddy. Be good. Tom Dean Hart at Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Man, I miss Garcia's. Miss it. Why that thing wouldn't fly? I mean, hell, I asked this about racks, and nobody ever does anything about that. I mean, all we ever get is just nothing but deeply rooted love for racks. No movement whatsoever. So why should I even go into detail with Garcia's? But, man, was that great. Absolutely great. And the building, the building in Bloomington, too, off of Indiana right there, was just a great building. It's a great location. Quick break. We'll come back. Mike Chappell at the top of the hour. A variety of things, including the report he had day before yesterday that the Jonathan Taylor injury situation was, and this was according to his sources, uh, the Colts felt it was a hold-in. Uh, that was asked of Chris Ballard yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that with Mike Chapel coming up at the top of the hour. 93.5107 the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I saw on Saturday night at Ruoff, you got these guys and Disturbed. Wasn't it true back when the Boilers had Drew Brees? The run to the Rose Bowl. Wasn't he a huge fan of Disturbed back then? Is that true, Boilermaker fans? You remember that? Uh, speaking of which, Tom Dean Hart a moment ago, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. Nate Atkins of the Star talked some Colts with us a little bit earlier. Mike Chappell. Over a lot of that coming up here at the top of the hour. Man, this makes me sad right here. I did not know this to be the case. Uh, from RC, unfortunately, JMV, the Garcias in Champaign, Illinois, is in name only now. Nothing recognizable with respect to the food. I love Pizza King sausage. Uh, There used to be a place called Pizza Pantry. I forget what it's called now down around Spencer. There was one in Ellensville, too. Always had a great sausage and mushroom. Um, But the greatest sausage of all time, don't giggle. Greatest sausage pizza pizza of all time is Garcia's. That was great. That makes me sad right there, RC. I don't know why you had to spread that message to me. Hey, JMV, lots of justified frustrations with Ballard, but a team goes as the quarterback goes most of the time. I looked at traded picks and starting quarterbacks. They could have drafted since Luck retired without trading up. Hurts, Love, Ritter, Purdy, Howell. Most laughed at Hurts going in the third from Jason. 
239-1070. Give me Jimmy on here. Hello, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing good, JMB. How you doing, my Fantastic, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, first time caller, man. I apologize. Uh I should have been I've been listening to you for years. That's okay. I appreciate you calling. First time, many times. Make it the first of many. Go ahead. Hey, um, I wanted to kind of hear your take. I I just don't think Jonathan is I think Jonathan would be good to go if uh I just think he's on the pup list and they're yes. still trying to work out this contact. Me too. I, I, and I think too when um Bauer was going off yesterday. Um, he forgot to say it sucks for him. It sucks for Shane. It sucks for Anthony. It sucks for the team because I think this is a Jim Irsay thing. Um, I think I think uh, it's where it starts. I think you're on a good you're on a good path. Yes. Yeah, I think he is kind of thinking what he did to one of his favorite players of all time, and Edron James, where he played out his rookie contract, which I know it was seven years. But if you really look at Taylor and the, the miles on those tires, what how Wisconsin used him, um, there's a lot of miles on those uh, legs of his, and um, and I think Ursay's just wanting to wanting to play out his rookie contract and use the franchise tag like he did the one year with Edge. Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, and I, I do think that. And Jimmy, thank you for the first time call. Do that again soon. I agree with you as far as that is concerned, where this all starts, and and I agree that uh, this. And I've said this for a number of weeks now that this is a hold-in type of situation. Now he had an article about it day before yesterday. Had an unnamed source stating just what I said. Mike Chapel on that and a lot more. Brad will get with you in the thread. Check that the third hour, the five o'clock hour here, coming up in just a bit. Mike Chapel, CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the other side next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, uh, Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And tomorrow, Mystic Waters Campground, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. This is open for everybody. I-69, the Pendleton exit. Three until six for the show. Rick Venturi live coming up tomorrow from 3.30 until 4.30. He's going to join me up there. So if you're out there, you can ask him questions of your own. Uh, we'll talk uh, about the Colts in the beginning of the season with Rick Tomorrow from 3.30 until 4.30. Don Fisher tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I, I got something working here, and it, it should work out regarding a Colts guest coming up tomorrow, too. Uh, so be ready for that at Mystic Waters Campground. That is tomorrow. And it really starts what I call the Labor Day weekend bender. That's tomorrow with the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast, Heaven Hill Distillery, New Belgium Brewing, Ford's Garage has the food, and then – Got skids after me will be up there to entertain. And then coming up on Saturday, you got the Jamie takeover for the first time on the road. I have gone over this with AJ, who is going to produce back here. He seems ready to go. And uh, engineering has told me that be me being able to take calls, as I normally do, uh, is also going to work. 
So we should be good to go for the first time ever. The JMV Takeover Saturday night is on the road at Mystic Waters Campground. It is the Labor Day weekend bender on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from Beach Grove, Indiana, friend of the show. It is Mike Chappell joining us. What did you think overall about the press conference that you witnessed yesterday? I remember back uh, when Ursay was on the on on the preseason game at third quarter. He, he mentioned that you know he's looking for Chris. <laughs> Cleaned up the calm mess. The, calm, yeah. calm the waters. Yes, calm the waters. And, yeah, and, and and that's what that was. He was trying to. You, they, they 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 hit the pause button on this Taylor thing for the next month because of Pup. Although you know they can trade him tomorrow. Don't don't think that the trade deadline that they imposed means anything. It was self-imposed for reasons. It, it was trying to, to to keep things as calm as possible when it's really hard to do because th- this is this is one of your top gosh two players. He or Buckner, I mean, take your pick. And he doesn't want to be here. He's made it very clear. So you're, he's trying, Chris was trying to sort of tell us what he could, background and all that stuff. But at the same time, not really stirring things up. I and mean, he succeeded at that. Yeah. Well, I thought the same thing after yesterday, too. I. All right, they set a price tag so incredibly high, they knew nobody was going to take that. And there was a reason behind it, right? They really didn't want to trade him at all. That's why the price tag was as such, and that's why we hear rumors about what they were asking for because they knew ultimately nobody was going to accept that, right? Probably, yes. I mean, if somebody really wanted him, giving giving up a two for a player of that caliber – to me, wouldn't be outlandish. I always thought that the, the the stumbling point would be someone willing to give him three years and I don't know forty million. I, I thought that would be the the sticking point. And if I if I'm Miami or Green Bay and I'm calling the Colts about Taylor, I had to at least have in my mind what it would cost to get him. I mean, I mean, as far as contract wise. But I was told they didn't get a one. They didn't get a two. And as Ballard told us yesterday, we weren't going to let him walk out the door. You know, it, it, it sounds awful, and teams and players get real, or the, the fans and, and players get really upset when you talk about it. But players are are are, are commodities. Yes, it, it, we get to know these guys and personalities and all this. They are commodities for the team, and they they were not going to let. They're just not going to dump one of their biggest assets. Uh, they're, they're they're at least for now willing to, to deal with wherever they are, which is nowhere. I mean, we're no further along now than we were Monday. So they're just not going to let a, a quality player uh, walk out the door, and I, I can understand that. You know, ultimately the organization moves on and survives, but I, I am kind of interested to ask you this question. Um, who, who gets damaged the most out of this and while again i understand that there's always yeah, going to be you know that lean organizationally because they're always going to survive it but you know in terms of i know how chris asked, asked answered the question yesterday that was asked you know regarding you know the impact on the rookie quarterback but i mean don't they take a hit as much as jonathan taylor is taking a hit right now considering they're on the field circumstances that are about to occur well, in that case, I'd say number one is Taylor, because not playing 
does not help your value. It just doesn't. But I thought, and I think KB is the one that asked the question about, you know, does not having Taylor, you know, impede the progress of your quarterback? And I, I thought Chris was going to go there, and then he and then he didn't. Uh, he sort of said, "Hey, we're working through that, and you, you know, we we'll go on and all this stuff." And of course, it does. I mean, you take you take the, the fact that you want a first round draft before him tells me t- tells everyone what what how they value this guy. And again, the fact that they didn't just dump him, which I thought might have been a possibility, just get him out of the building, get him want to be here, we'll move on. They value him, and, and they know Chris knows he's a football guy. He knows what you know. Let's go back to twenty twenty one, and and this kid was sixty yard touchdowns every every week. So, you know, I, so they know, they know, but they did I mean, Chris couldn't have told KB and the rest of us, well, you know, yeah, we really, we really screwed. We're really going to suck this year because of that. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do that. And then, and then that's what's that saying to the rest of your, yeah. the running backs and all this. So he said what he had to say, but he knows and everyone knows that not having Taylor takes a major catalyst and, and playmaker out of your offense. And of course it's going to hurt. Of course it is. I given this situation, um, I, I'm curious. In the past, we have noted this many times that all Chris Ballard has had to do, all a coach maybe would have to do. I mean, hell, they talked the owner into Carson stinking Wentz. They talked the owner after 90 minutes of watching tape on Matt Ryan that he wasn't done, and it took us like one series in week one to learn that he was done. So, you know, they've been able to to talk the owner into situations where he says, okay, let's go this direction. Um, do you think that this is more Jim Irsay owner-driven, this line in the sand they have created with Jonathan Taylor, more so than Chris and more so than Shane? That's a really good question. I, I, I don't know. I, I, we, we've seen in the past that if the owner wants something done, it gets done. Remember when they couldn't get T.Y. signed? Exactly. And the owner said, yeah, hey, exactly. Here's, here's some more money. Up. Yeah. So I, I've wondered, and we're never going to get the answer to it because we're not, but what has been Shane Steichen's influence on all this? You know, he, he is the new set of eyes on everybody. You know, all, all the players, primarily offensively, because you still got Gus Bradley, but but he's the one that's reevaluating everything that they've got here. Maybe he thinks some of these players are pretty good, and maybe some he may look at Taylor and say, "Yeah, really good player, but we can scheme, we can do something with a lesser player." Well, we're going to find out. But yeah, I, again, the more Chris talked about why they haven't done it, and he was asked two or three times, you know, you know, and the names come up to you. Shaq Leonard and Quentin and Grover and Braden Smith and Naheem Hines and Ryan Kelly. And and not now. This is a guy that you've drawn the line on the sand at. And he makes he makes valid points. You know, I think the, he, he said, I think James Boyd asked him about that and about not paying a star player. He says, we won four games. We won four games. Well, that's, you know, I, I know there, there's more to it than that because if that's the case, what if they win four games this year? You're not going to resign anybody. So, but but, it, but it's but it's all it, it's so much more. It, again, I, I think I, I'm not dismissing the fact. That no, I I, th- I think this is led in. by Jim. I think it's led by Jim. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I I, I think Steichen's got a big hand in it, and now not enough to say, hey, we need to sign this guy. I don't think so. But I see. I I can't get on board with people saying that Ursay is is 
making certain not to reset the running back market for the rest of the league. I just don't think in this instance that's valid. Uh, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is trying to reset the running back market for everybody else. He wants his, and he should. This is you get yours while you can because if you don't, before long they move on. And, you know, ask Delvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. So you might be right. I don't know, but somebody. The, the bottom line is somebody has to blink, and it's. I don't think it's going to be the team. At some point, we, we we kept trying to go back and forth in the media room yesterday about about this, and you know, if he stays on pup all season, he gets paid in his contract holes. That means we're back here next year. So when the time comes that he can practice off a of pup, he needs to be on the active roster. I believe I've got it right for six games. Yeah, you're right. So, so, so without that, then then here we are again. So the next step has to be him practicing. It just does. Hey, Mike, in the uh, net, where where are we? Yeah, in in the incredible movie Caddyshack, um, Roddy Dangerfield was teeing off in that that game in which had uh, big time monetary bets made on it, and uh, he his drive hit the ball wash, and then came back and hit him in the arm. And then he shook his yep. arm and says, oh, my arm is broken. That was best to benefit yep. his situation. You had in your article day before yesterday that according to sources that the Colts believe Jonathan Taylor is holding in right now. Thus, and I've talked about this with you in the past. I, I don't think – I think if – for example – I think that if he got what he wanted out of this right now, that he would be practicing tomorrow, meaning this ankle is not, you know, the big deal that Chris Ballard made it out to be yesterday. Would you agree? Well, yeah, he, a big deal. Well, I, th- I, thought, I thought Chris was very, very careful with how he answered the question. He said, Jonathan Taylor is still complaining about pain in his ankle. Right. That, that's different from saying – the ankle's injured. It, it, I know we're, we're we're parsing words here. Yeah, I was told that they the, the the team thought he should have felt he should have passed the physical in July when camp opened. Yep. So that, that's why I say it, it's it, the, the 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 next you know the big deadline's October thirty first, a trade deadline. But as a lot of guys have pointed out, and James Boyd's kind of gotten a, a crash course on the CBA. But he's he's got to when that window opens that he can practice on pup. Then he you know he's either got to be activated, or I just can't see this team quietly letting him stay on pup. I just I just can't see Taylor getting four point three million dollars without playing. I I mean he will, but I don't know that the team's going to do that. So I can I can just envision that day in four or five or six weeks where the team says we think you're ready. He says, "No, I still have pain in my ankle," and then it, it, it hits the fan. Then you can talk to Venturi tomorrow about Eric Dickerson, because that's sort of what happened. Although Dickerson had passed his physical, but it, it's really, it really gets. If we think it's nasty now, wait until you have a team challenging a player openly, yeah. challenging a, a player who says he's not, he, he's not ready to play. That's when it. That's when you get other people involved, the union and all this. That's when. It goes to DEFCON 1. Yeah, I, I, I look at it, and, and I've talked about this for a, a number of weeks now, because you, you go all the way back, and you know part of the waters, part of the reasons why the waters were, were not calm was because you go all the way back to Jim on Pat McAfee saying that Jonathan Taylor's healed up. 
So yep. that's that's kind of what we're looking at right now. There have been a lot of See, stories. That, that's what the team, that's yeah. what the team believed. That the is. team was convinced yeah. of that. It was. Yeah. And then I, this, this is, to me is is nothing but a, a ploy to make sure you get paid, and then you end up buying yourself a little bit more time. Either both sides do in this particular case. Hey, Mike, is it this easy to manipulate to put yourself on on pup? And is this also about the Colts not pressing the issue regarding why you're there? I mean, how does how does this all work? Let's say, for example, you and I in our beliefs are accurate. How does this work so easily to manipulate PUP in this fashion? Because they're not willing right now to go to to that next level. Yeah. But remember when was it two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when when he Taylor decided to rehab away from the team. The, the team, I'm sure, could have said, "No, you're not. You're saying you keep your rear end right here." But they, they didn't choose to come back at him, and then they missed the next week for personal reasons, which they excused. But I said at the time, I can't think of the last time a team allowed a player to leave and rehab. I mean, what's that saying? That, that's a slap in your face at, at your rehab and your medical staff. But they didn't do that. And, but at some point they're gonna, at some point they're going to have to say no we, we you know, we're, we're going to call BS on this we we think you're ready and and that's that's when so so yeah I think to some extent they're allowing I guess allowing is the right word him him to drive the ship right now but at some point that's not going to be the case and, and enough will be enough and again it's, I thought Chris was very very careful with how he answered those things. I'm not going to put a, put a player out there who's not 100% and this, that, and the other. And I, I, I just think they're, they're not, you know, again, he was trying to calm things down. He was trying to have a ceasefire, sort of. Uh, but a, after four or five weeks, it, 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 they, they really can't, unless they're willing to let a player stay on pup all season. And then because of the CBA, we're here we are again, next league year and forget the forget the franchise tag he's under his contract again this fourth year tolls and, and here we are again so I, that's why it's really i think again like 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 we talked about and you mentioned I, I think they're not willing they're not ready they're willing they can do whatever they want but they're they're, they're not to the point where they're gonna really the line in sand is is okay guy here's where we are you play or we're suspending you. And, and if, if they would suspend him and if it gets upheld, that's without pay. Again, when when Venturi did that with uh, Dickerson, it was a four-game suspension because he refused to practice. He refused to practice. And Rick said, hey, screw you. And they spent him four games. It was appealed. And the league, I believe, upheld three weeks of it. He had to, he, he missed three three game checks. So that, and, and that's when – that's when it, it's funny. I was talking on our, our podcast today on Fox 59, and it, it for whatever reason, what flashed in my mind was the movie War of the Roses. You probably you probably saw it. Oh yeah, Michael, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Yeah, and handled it in. They're both dead on the floor, <laughs> you know, under a, on a chandelier. Uh, I, I don't know that this this relationship is, is that to that level, but I just don't see until somebody steps forward and says okay I'm gonna I'm gonna compromise I don't know how you do that I mean have we seen any indication from from JT that he's willing to say you know I 
I, okay, I, I, I made my case. I, I stated what I wanted. It didn't ha- it didn't work. So I'll come in and be the good soldier that you guys want. I just I just have a hard time seeing him do that. And there's no concession from the team other than giving him more money. So I, I it, th- this has got to be on him. Wait, at some point, does he say something? I don't know. I wish he would. There's nothing preventing him. I mean, we've talked about players on pup. No, a player, a player could walk over to the media and say anything he wants. I mean, it's in general we don't get guys on pup. We didn't get Shaq last year when he was on pup. But I, I, unless I'm wildly mistaken, there's nothing keeping a player. The team, the team is not keeping JT from talking to us. It's not. I don't think there's anything preventing. Wednesday when we got to the complex to, for that Wednesday before the game, him walking in and say, okay, what do you guys want to know? I, I, I don't, I, I'd like that because failing his side of this, we're getting sort of one side, which isn't fair to him. But until I, I think he could talk. I think it would be nice if he would talk. I don't know what he could say. Well, he, he, he could explain what he's doing. He could explain his side as opposed to getting it secondhand from the agent. Have you heard, is there anything else that maybe – deeply rooted that we're not talking about some other situation that has has occurred you know either over the course of of the summer you know maybe back in the late spring going back to last year because you see all sorts of wild rumors i mean there's one floating around out there the last year that you know he was he was kind of hey pushed into playing when he was still injured something like that and and i haven't heard that i'm just kind of asking you is there another kind of tipping point to a reason as to why we find ourselves where we are right now with this well, and again, we're speculating, but in my mind, again, remember we talked to him and when, or when offseason uh, opened up and that, that's when he was sort of, hey, I want to be here. I'd like an extension, but, you know, I, I signed a four-year deal, I put pen to paper. It's my obligation to them. And, and then sometime after that, however, shortly after that, two or three weeks, that's in my mind, and, and I've sort of been told that that's when they told him, well, you know, no, no extension. And I think that's the flashpoint. The flashpoint is him being told face-to-face there would not be an extension. We'll talk about it when the season's over. Well, I think to some level, a big level, he felt betrayed. I really do. Uh, I don't know that the team ever told him he would get an extension. I think there were certainly indications that that was going to happen. I mean, we wrote it, and, and they talked very very optimistically about you know, because of their track record of, of, of Shaq Leonard and Quentin and Ryan Kelly and Grover and all those guys getting it at this point in their career. But I, I, I really believe he felt betrayed that, boy, you're going to make an example out of me. Remember, again, when, when Jimmy talked in July, it was, you know, no, organ, no organization takes care of their players better than me. And 95% of the time, he's right. Well, here you got JT standing over here saying, wait a minute, wait a yeah, minute. Well, and why why would they draw a line in the sand with him in this situation? I mean, because you're right. What Chris mentioned about about Leonard, what Chris mentioned yesterday about Nelson, you know, that's fine. But this is such a different and more magnified and important situation. There has to be something else going on here as to why they decided well, to go but, ahead and make their stand here. But, that, that, but, but again, and, and to some degree, I buy what Chris is selling. This is being a unique situation because, again, you've got the injury. You can make of that what you will. You've got a four-win team, and you've got a new coach coming in who, who probably – maybe he says, hey, let's just sort of step back. Let's take a good look at this roster before we invest 13, 
million, 20 million guaranteed in a running back. So I, I think it's, I, I think this is the perfect storm that's kind of overwhelmed Taylor because everything everything works. Yes, he's 24 and a league rushing champ two years ago. Everything else is working against him. And I, and I sort of don't really buy into the, the devalued running back market because I'm telling you, if the Colts wanted to sign him, they'd sign him. They, they, they would say, yeah, you know, they, they wouldn't worry about, well, you guys are going against the grain and you're paying a running back when nobody's paying them. They, they would do what they want to do. I think it's just all these things together. That and again, I understand Taylor wanting top of the market value. He does, but 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 he's telling everybody he's hurt. That that's a tough combination. Although, again, it, it, there's no way in the world that Miami or Green Bay or any team would have contacted the Colts on on a trade to feel, at least feel them out at whatever, unless they had some assurance from somebody, probably the agent. That okay, get this done and and he'll be okay. They had you're just not going to look into this if there's any concern that this was an injury that really is going to make him miss time. So I, I, it, it's just all these situations working against him. And as I always say, the, the team's got the biggest hammer. They and they don't always like to use it because it it, can't, it, it does leave scars. It really does, but. Sometimes you have to, and, and this is a case. I just, I, if somebody can tell me how the Colts can compromise without it including money, see, I'd, I'd still pay Taylor today. I, I'd give him his three years, and forty million might be stretched. I'd give him the Nick Chubb deal, three years, thirty-six, whatever it was. And you're not talking a, a ten-year investment. You're talking what would really be like a two-year investment in this player. But they've chosen not to, and and. Uh, I'll take him at their word that it's all these things working against him. And oh, by the way, he says he's hurt. So you know, it, it's it, 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 in one frame, it, it, the player can't have it both ways. I want to be paid to the top of the market, but I'm hurt. Well, you can't have it both ways. It's at Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Somebody asked me this yesterday, and maybe I'm biased because back in 2012, we know the outcome. They won 11 games. It was a surprisingly successful season. Right. Um, Andrew Luck's first, great. Maybe I'm biased, but I think that that roster is better than this. I've gotten uh, received a great deal of pushback regarding it. No, it's not. This roster is a lot better than the one in 2012. That was garbage. Yeah, what do you think? You compare this roster to the one back in Luck's rookie season. Which one's better? That one, 12. <laughs> I've said the same thing. And yeah. I'm not sure if it's close. I said the same yeah, thing. Part of, that, part of that part of that is the quarterback. And, and uh, Andrew Luck was, was – he, he was that good. He, he had like was it eight eight fourth quarter comebacks and he, he was that good, but you've got you had Vic Ballard, who would be the star of this running back room right now, the tight ends T.Y. You had Reggie, so that yeah, and Anthony Costanzo, yeah that that was a pretty good team uh, that overachieved. They set all sorts of NFL rookie records for games started and in yards offensively and touchdowns and all that. And we don't see that here. And again, it it, it it works against the team when you know how many times has Jim Irsay mentioned? You know, well, when Peyton was a rookie, he had Marshall Falk. Well, now you're taking away this kid's Marshall Falk. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that team was better. I I'm not crazy about this roster. I think there are some 
hot points that concern me. You know, if you lose, boy, if you lose this player, if you lose that player, there, there's there's an unusual drop off from this guy to his back. I and mean, that's not always been the case with Chris Ballard's roster. There there have been deficiencies. Maybe you know the the, the premier left tackle, the premier pass rusher, even quarterback, but the the the, the quality of the depth was never really in question. And, and now they're they're looking to have not one or two, but, you know, a half a dozen or eight guys really, really do more than what they normally would do, like rookies and all this stuff. So, yeah, I I wouldn't have a bit of a problem at all arguing that 2012 was a better team, so, really. And, I, and like I said, I don't think it's close. I so really you have to go back how far in covering this team to find a roster, in your opinion, that's worse than this one? Chris's first year when he, when he really reset things. Uh, that's why it's it's it's. I'm a little surprised, and we'll see how things shake out. But they're not going to add any major players now. I mean, there's no major players to add. I'm talking guys that can step in and say, okay, this guy, this guy's an upgrade here. You know, we just saw we saw the three waiver wire guys that they claimed guys that are promising, but not that three year starter because people don't wave. People don't get rid of good offensive linemen. They just don't. Look around the league. The Colts aren't the only team that with offensive line issues, and I like the five starters here. I can live with that. I think they'll. I, I think we were talking on a podcast. The biggest plus of all training camp in my mind was nobody noticed Bernard Ryman. I mean, I, I I thought he played really really well, and I thought that's. Very, I'm very encouraged by that, but I just I, I just don't like. Some you know four receivers and you know I I realize you got guys on the practice squad but I I just don't like the depth the 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 quality depth and if you lose a player or two it's kind of funny that the one position they're most suited to lose their starter probably is quarterback because Minshew has 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 played at a <laughs> at a winning level at time to time. That'd be a disaster, but, though. Yeah. Well, I, I know, I understand, <laughs> but I'm saying that that's the one backup. I'm no, I got you. About. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right about that. That you'd feel comfortable in would be that of of quarterback. Before I let you go, um, Jelani Woods has been. Hamstring injury-wise, shrouded in a great deal of mystery. Why? I have my opinions. Do you? Not really. I know. I think it was erroneously reported that he had a torn hamstring. Uh, but I think Joel Erickson mentioned that like all hamstrings are torn to some level. It's that that's it just depends on what the degree is. But that thing's been pestering him all training camp. Uh, so no, I don't have any secrets to it. It's it's obvious they need to shut him down for a month or more uh, because he, it's just not getting any better. Uh, that's a concern because Drew Ogletree had trouble with, I think, early on a hamstring and then a shoulder. So they just again, that, that's one where you, you start losing people before the season starts, and that's never a good thing. No, no, it's not. So I, and and especially the situation. I mean, you look at it, what the Eagles were, for example, a year ago, and you know, you, you know that there's going to be a tight end role uh, that's much like what we saw in Dallas Goddard, for example. Um, with a level of success, and that seems like that that would have been him. And you you think did that ultimately save Mo Alley Cox from being released? You think? Good question. Uh, Good question because I I know they didn't want to risk 
putting Will Mallory out there and carry only four, and hey, we'll bring Mallory back for the practice squad because he w- he wouldn't have played waivers. You know, that's kind of what they did probably with Darius Rush. I assume they would have brought him back to the practice squad, but you know, Kansas City picked him up real quick. So, yeah, it, it's uh, Mo. I don't know. We'll see. It, it, I think the issue with Mo, and I, I, I don't want, mean to be critical. I think we've seen the best of Mo. I think we've seen his ceiling. Yeah. Which is fine because he can't, you know, he's a power forward for crying out loud. But I think we've seen the best of him. And right now he's, he is that blocking tight end because I don't know that the other guys, you can, I guess Ogilvy a little bit. He's got the size, but that's not kind of Colin Grant's and that's, that's not Will Mallory. And, you know, so that's, Mo's got to be shooting. Maybe he's your backup left tackle. I don't know. Hey, in, in closing, but, uh, too, I'll give you a scary exercise to do over Labor Day weekend. Uh, examine this roster and then tell me um, uh, anybody out there that, that you believe um, hasn't already played their best football. <laughs> so, I mean, it's yeah, tough we're, to we're find. It, it's it's tough to find guys. Point. It's tough to find guys that you believe can, even if they've been here in the past or they're relatively new. How far they can raise this bar up? That'd they, be. They better get more. They need to get more from Alec Pierce. Yeah. They need to get more yep. from from Michael Pittman. Uh, so yeah, I, I, but I get I get your point. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, well, I'd say Nelson Kelly, Smith. I, I mean, uh, these guys are going to be so essential with that lack of depth they had on the offensive line, and I, yeah. you, you got guys in the secondary. You just uh, Kenny Moore, who had a bad season a year ago. Look what you're going to look at for him. Yeah. I just um, yeah. Lot. All right. Hey, I'll I'll let you go. I've kept you long enough. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Listen tomorrow because I'm going to do as little as possible. Well, Rick's going to be on with me for about an hour tomorrow. We're going to have a good time. So make sure you listen. Is that is that that bend at sixty nine where it's passing and they got that? Yes. Yeah. The the little pond and I I go. I used to go by there all the time going up there to Anderson to see the kids. They like to reference that as 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 lakes. Yes. It's a big pond. <laughs> but a lot of cabins. We're going to have a good time up there. So uh, give why us. Don't get one, why don't you just get your cabin and stay up there all week? Oh, I am going to be up there. That's why I've called this the Labor Day weekend bender. So, yes. Are you, are you taking your pan, your bamboo pole and do some fishing? No. Uh, no. I'm taking, I'm taking a big pillow. I'm taking a big pillow is what I'm taking. A big pillow. So I'll, I'm probably just going to go to sleep. Go to sleep where I, where I am. The image of you sitting there with your bamboo pole and a beer and... You know, your, your little straw hat, that, I, I'd pay for that. Oh, buddy, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. See you. It's a Mike Chappell of CBS4 Fox 59. Quick break. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Nate Atkins, Tom Deanhart, and Mike Chappell. Uh, my friend Jeremiah Wheatley, who is a firefighter, had tweeted out a little bit earlier, host testing for the rig today. Great job by my crew to make it look so good. I responded with, I was host testing a little bit earlier today, too. Um... <laughs> Yes or no? Would you give that a thumbs up or a thumbs down for a response right there? Because my good friend Jeremiah was giving credit to those that work just an incredible level of job around him. And then 
I take it to the 12-year-old level in which I normally do. No? Yes? Thumbs up or thumbs down that particular tweet or what's formerly known as a tweet and now an X. Hose testing day. Uh, Mike Chappell, really good just now. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Rick Venturi, tomorrow at 3.30. 3.30 until 4.30. He's going to join me live at Mystic Waters Campground. That's a backyard bourbon broadcast. Heaven Hill Distillery, New Belgium Brewing, Ford's Garage. Thank you, Richard, for bringing the food. And you all can join us tomorrow. And you all can stay throughout the weekend, just like me. That is just the starter to our Labor Day weekend bender. That begins tomorrow. Mystic Waters Campground, 69 Pendleton Exit, begins tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Coop is at 239-1070. Hello, Coop. Hey, man. I was just thinking here when I was listening to Chapel. I mean, to have the good old days back. I remember, you know, when Peyton was here, we had that error. We used to spend our time complaining about how they couldn't win enough. They didn't win an enough Super Bowls. Man, I'd take that back in a heartbeat. We were in every game. We had an opportunity to win to win every game. The sky was the limit. Ten win seasons. And when I look now, I see crap. I'm, I'm you know, I, I, uh, I'm told Ursay's a football guy. I'm told Ballard's a great young GM. Some people who I think know stuff, like Bill Polian and Venturi talks about how how Ursay's such a such a football guy. Michael Lombardi, these people that but what I see is crap. That's what it is. It's been in a downward spiral ever since Peyton had those nerve issues in his neck. I mean it's just it's it's kinda sad. Um you know, you got Jim Ursay running around hand, handing out cash to people with a camera behind him. Got uh, Ballard expressing his love for the people that work for him. I mean, I'm 50 years old. I've had a number of bosses, and never once has a boss expressed in public or private their love for me. It's total BS. They've been polite. Um, they've treated me honestly. But have you ever had a, have you ever had a, a boss tell you how much he loves you? Everybody tells me I suck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's said with love. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that is a term of, of endearment or not, Coop, to be honest I mean, with you. So. That's so it, – it, it's just a total mess. I, I mean, if it looks like crap – you, and it smells like it. It is. That's what it is. You feel like, uh, Coop, thanks for the call, a lot of people feel right now. You're expressing what a lot of people would like to also express. Josina Anderson writes this via social media. I'm told both the Dolphins and the Packers were both willing to give running back Jonathan Taylor a contract that placed him among the highest paid running backs in the NFL entering this season. Now, I guess you can go wherever you believe this is accurate or inaccurate, but I have said all along, I don't think the Colts whatsoever had any plans on dealing Jonathan Taylor, thus placing what they wanted in return so incredibly high that nobody was going to get close to it. Just a thought. Uh, that particular tweet from Josina Anderson. Quick break. We'll come back. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino, the race of the day. 50-50 in betting and dining. Somebody will win that next.
The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Mike Chappell, Tom Deanhart, Nate Atkins podcast. 107.5thefan.com. A little bit earlier. Uh, Rick Venturi for an hour on the show. 3.30 until 4.30 tomorrow. Uh, probably another Colts guest, too. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and we'll be live. Backyard Bourbon Broadcast will be up at Mystic Waters Campground. Heaven Hill Distillery, New Belgium Brewing, Ford's Garage of the Food, and everybody is invited. Uh, that is just the starter for what is going to be the Labor Day weekend. Bender will have up there. Jamby Takeover live for the first time ever Saturday night from 6 until midnight at Mystic Waters Campground. Pendleton. Off of I-69. Hope to see you there tomorrow. Hope to see you there at some point this weekend. I got to thank everybody. They're sold out of cabins right now. So this is going to be a spectacular weekend with a lot of you coming up this weekend at Mystic Waters. All right. The Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Dave from Brownsburg was the winner. Country Cutie, the winning horse. 380 was the payout on a $2 bet. The $2 exacto went for 17 bucks, and the $50, or check that, the 50 cent trifecta was at $20.50. That is your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Dave and Brownsburg gets 50 50 in betting and in dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson, which, by the way, is just up the road from where we're going to be tomorrow, then again on Saturday. Cannot wait to see you. JMV, I heard you mention what was said by Josina Anderson regarding the Dolphins and the Packers and the interest that they had in Jonathan Taylor. What do you think that report came from? That report sounds to me like it came directly from Jonathan Taylor's representation. It sounded like, hey, look, this is what the teams were going to do. And the Colts didn't have any interest in trading. Uh, that came from a Taylor rep. Maybe one of these days relatively soon we actually hear from Taylor, which would be nice. Uh, Mike Chappell, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Tom Deanhart, Purdue Fresno State coming up on Saturday. Tom talked about that and then some. And Nate Atkins also about the Colts from the star a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mentioned tomorrow, Rick Venturi. I don't know about Mike Wells just yet. Nothing yet? Oh, he's good for tomorrow? All right, Mike Wells in tomorrow from ESPN Radio. Bob Love, a week three of the high school football season. Brent Halverson, our betting analyst tomorrow. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers tomorrow, and a special guest also joining us tomorrow. Talk about that from what is going to be a legendary weekend. I hope everybody has the opportunity to join us. Mystic Waters Campground tomorrow. Backyard Bourbon Broadcast begins at 3 o'clock. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, I'm hoping to show you all the festivities all weekend long. So keep it inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. James, great job from you. Tomorrow, Mystic Waters Backyard Bourbon Broadcast begins at 3. Don't miss it.